0: I plan to go to law school after I graduated, but uh, looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. what I was called Ditch Digger Man, aiming for a living and doing the best I can. Discovered entrepreneurship, scaling business plans became the CEO man. Are you ready
1: to be mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world? Then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who will be telling their amazing, rags-to-riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires, many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with Golden Nuggets, of shared experiences from my guest, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school and with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over 1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this, if you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you wanna be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. So Shelley's a great friend of mine, who's a, a, one of the one of the greatest entrepreneurs uh, I know, um, one of the great woman uh, leaders that I know. And so it's exciting and it's a blast to have you here today, Shelley.
2: Very excited to be here.
1: So we're we're gonna we're gonna start. We're gonna get, Q and I are gonna throw a bunch of stuff at you today. I just want to dive in. Uh, you know, I think Q looked her up and. Uh, I looked up a lot of stuff and said, Man, I got so many great questions asked, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to get
3: going. You know, it's 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 awesome just because I think you're, you know, obviously your reputation perceives you. And I think I told you earlier today that you have uh, amazing uh, associates from your corporation, OSHA, from your company. For example, Lenora Allaby is one of my good friends um, that's a branch manager of your uh of bright star and she just raves about the culture and that that's something you created so i'm so excited to hear uh honestly how did you create it from where it was or how you started it to where you have it now and and just you know the the impact that you're creating on not just bright star itself but people you know so I'm, I, was, I was and
1: we've actually talked about you on a couple of these other yeah, podcasts john, already absolutely <laughs> jimmy john and i mentioned you know we we're talking about mentorship and i said i remember when i, when I met Shelley, and I, we were, I was blessed enough to have her in my forum and you know, she was, you know, she was kind of mentored by you into YPO, from what I remember. And yep. oh, he goes, yeah, oh, yeah, Shelly, she's great. And all that. And then uh, there's another time I think Shelly's name came up, too, when I talk about it. She just, she, yeah, they promoted you like you was Michael Jordan or something, Shelly. <laughs> yeah. Only I was that tall <laughs> <laughs> and well-paid. <laughs> well, when I think about leadership and, and uh, you know, uh, duplication, franchising, all that, I think of you. So thanks for being here. And, and we're going to ask you a bunch of questions. If there's any you don't want to a- answer, um, answer them anyway. Okay.
2: As long as it's on my age and my weight, everything else
1: is fair game. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all good answers too. So what are you talking about? All right. So so let's get started. Let's start with uh, you know we like to start with you know what what created Shelly, right? Your upbringing, you know where you came from. You're I know you're a hillbilly kind of like I'm a northern hillbilly. You're a southern hillbilly. I know that. That's yes, why we hit it Tennessee, off so, yeah, so, that's so. That's why we hit it off so well.
2: So, a southern belle. Uh, mm-hmm. Grew up. Uh, I'm an only child. Um, oh wow. A very hard-driving entrepreneurial father uh, that was also abusive. Um, So overcoming kind of obstacles, adversity growing up. Um, My dad didn't think women could amount to anything. And my mom bought me t-shirts that said, anything a boy can do, a girl can do better, Um, and instilled that in me. Um, I had a couple of great teachers that... um, motivated me to get really involved in math at at an age back then where girls were not encouraged to go after, you know, math and be good at those kind of subjects. Um, That took me through undergraduate and graduate degrees in accounting. So that numbers background has served me well, where most of my peers were men and so organizations large corporations that were looking for diversity were looking for women to run their accounting Mm -hmm. departments and so I got an opportunity to move up at a relatively young age multiple times leading very large teams Um, and then Brightstar I mean I went through a family experience looking for care for a grandmother and um, found that a lot of people wanted to give a cheap price and didn't want to stand behind their product and you know, I would spend more for a different cup of coffee, for a different airline seat, for a different clothing experience, but I couldn't spend more money to have a different healthcare experience than I was willing to. Um, and so, lost my grandmother um, in March of 2002 um, and started Bright Star in October 2002. I only gave myself six months. I left corporate America to start be an entrepreneur. I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur, so I gave myself six months to make it successful. Or I needed to go back and uh, get the, get a job and not let my resume get stale. Um, and within you know a couple months, I had a couple of good clients. And um, I was just telling this story last week. My very first skilled client, I take care of a quadriplegic. I've taken care of him for sixteen years. Wow. Um, I feel like I'm part of his family. He's part of mine um he was a turning point um, without Tim and Ann joining Brightstar, I wouldn't have had Brightstar grow to a point where I would have had the money to invest to even be a franchise. Mm. Um, so over Labor Day weekend, Tim moved to Tennessee. Tim, Tim moved to hillbilly country from <laughs> Illinois. Um, so he went the right direction, um, with no state income tax, um, yeah. to Tennessee to retire. And he said he wouldn't go if I didn't go put um, hire nurses and help wow. them have care there, um, and did that you know several years ago. So over Labor Day weekend, I've got twin boys that are 13 one of them special needs and has a big caring heart like his mama does mm-hmm. and i wanted them to see firsthand what bright star is they see me work hard they see that i miss some of their events i'm I, I work a lot i travel quite a bit for work and i want them to see what bright star is really about bright star is not just about revenue and profits it's about helping people and keep people in their homes and give them dignity and so having them be able to go see tim um and He's lived past every marker that he should have as a quadriplegic because of our Whoa. care. And mm-hmm. both Tim and his wife, Anne, and Anne's a nurse, said to my boys, I know there have probably been moments that your mama might have missed, but your, but your mama has made sure that Tim is alive. Tim mm-hmm. has gotten to see his grandchildren born because of your mother. Oh, wow. Um, and that was so impactful for yeah, my boys.
0: To-
2: um, there's many life lessons I could give them, but I could never have really shared mm-hmm. with them what I do, as well as driving two and a half hours each way from where we were staying with my mom to go see Tim um, in Tennessee, wow. um, and it was it was really just really impactful for them to see what we do every day, and that's really what I feel like we do every day. We help people live in their homes, which is where people want to be, and give them the highest quality care. So it's great to hear that you know one of our offices really kind of embraces that because a lot in healthcare try to take shortcuts. Um, and we've been focused on quality and customer service from day one. Not everybody can be a bright star client because mm-hmm. we can't do it the cheapest and pay people the best. Um, and our our moniker is we're going to pay people absolutely the best. Um, add nursing supervision on the top of it, so we know that our families are taken care of in the best way and be unapologetic for price we make the same amount of profit as other companies mm-hmm. but we're doing it the right way and that difference is show, it shows up in quality and service yeah
1: you know we were, we actually experienced bright star so you I don't know if you remember shelly but my mm-hmm. mother-in-law was was in her last weeks of her life and uh you know they sent we brought her home from the the old folks home she was at and, and they automatically had a company that they recommended they were going to send out with her. And I, whoa, whoa wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, stop. Who is it, Cheryl? Who are they? I'm asking my wife, who are they using? Where are they? And it was somebody different. I said, no, 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 no. We're using Brightstar. We're using Brightstar. <laughs> so sure enough, you, you connected me with, I think, the McHenry branch of Brightstar. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, they were awesome. Yeah, they were just awesome. Yeah, I mean, and, and Cheryl's mom was a nurse herself, so so she she knew what great service was or not. And she was so comfortable with the, with the people that from Bright Star that that served her and, and were in our house and in our house for the the last couple weeks of her life. And uh, it was it was a great experience. I yeah, mean, yeah. And, and, and so so when you think about you know passion and you know passion, I have to have for, for asphalt paving and concrete paving. I, I think it's pretty cool that, that I can serve people putting down this this black stuff or this white stuff, right? <clears throat> but gosh, you know what? This is nothing compared to what Shelly's got. You got it easy selling passion when you're talking about taking care of people like you are, girl. I don't know, it, it just can't be that tough. But actually, I, 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 I regress because it is tough because no matter what, you can't pay huge dollars. Even though, even though you pay a little more, maybe, because I know it wasn't that much more expensive to use Bright Star than anybody else. Um, to, to inspire the, the, these teams to serve people in, the, in, in these tough times in their lives can't be easy. You know, as much as, as much as you know, uh, everyone wants to say it must be must be pretty easy because you're doing amazing stuff, and you are. But man, I, I can't imagine you know some some of these people what they have to go through serving people in, their, in sometimes the last days of their lives or just the t- terrible times in their lives, right? Yeah, our how, caregivers how do, are amazing. How do you do it? How do you keep them? You know, your passion is amazing. I've been around you for well, you know eight years, maybe now something like that. And and ever since I knew you, when your business was very you know pretty small then, maybe I'm guessing. You know, one tenth the size it is today. Um, you know, you're you're so excited, and your vision was so clear. She knew exactly where she was going. It wasn't like there's was any doubt she was going to get to where she is today. Um, but again, you're the leader. Maybe it's a little more a little easier as a leader for you and I to be passionate. But but for you to be to be able to drive this passion and and have these team members across the country, you know, driving it. Tell me how you do that.
2: Well, I think two. I think two. Th- things that really set us apart in terms of growth and you know we try to get it right every time Um, you know certainly people are people um, so it's not going to be perfect every time but Mm -hmm. I think two things that have really set us apart is one we try to select franchisees that have have had a personal experience um, dealing with home care Mm -hmm. so they're really passionate about making a difference in their community Um, I think what we have to really worry about is that people are being attracted to the industry because of the gray tsunami that's coming Mm -hmm. and they see the demographics and they want to be a part of it for the economic reasons. I think, Gary, you and I share this philosophy. You can't just set out to make money and make money. you got to do the right things by the customers and employees, and you'll be rewarded with the money. Um, But you can't get there from here. And I'm the the same way about Mm -hmm. selecting franchisees into the Bright Star family is if they're passionate about delivering absolutely the best care, creating jobs in their communities, delivering care in their communities, they'll be rewarded with a successful business. And so someone who gets it or they've been through it um, is going to be able to kind of tap into that and sell that vision for what they're trying mm-hmm. to create at a local light level. And so that selection of franchisees is, is really critical. And I think one reason that has allowed us to have great care no matter what city you're in, in the country, and we're in, we're in 38, um, 38 states and 335, you know, locations. So you know, we're, we're really spread out. The second is because I'm not a nurse, um, and I come from a business background. I wanted to make sure the quality standards were absolutely the highest. Um, and how did I? How was I going to reinforce that with a third party? kind of inspecting all of my locations without that having to be me to inspect um, all of those locations. So we voluntarily go for joint commission accreditation out of 28,000 agencies that do what my franchisees do. There's over 28,000 in the U.S. Not one of them has Enterprise for Champion quality designation like mm-hmm. we do from the Joint Commission. Mayo has it, Cleveland Clinic has it, Bright Star has it. So wow. we've really set ourselves apart that comes at a at a huge operational uh, commitment to put all those policies and procedures into place and a, an and a extra cost for my franchisees to have that in place. But it allows us all to have confidence that thousands of miles away from each other,
0: mm-hmm.
2: everyone's following similar standards at the highest sure. level of quality of care. And I think that allows us to have confidence confidence that even though it might not be easy every day, that we're all aspiring to do it at the best and highest level. Mm -hmm. Um, And then selling that um, differentiation around our commitment to quality, our commitment to our people, our commitment to the families we serve, that's that's really going to resonate with the best caregivers that want to do it for the right reasons. Um, And making sure that we're just continuing to hire a lot of caregivers and continuing to hold them accountable to that standard of quality with our families and if they're not delivering on the highest standard being willing to let them go and put someone in that in that role that will
1: what a, yeah, what a huge differentiator. Is it you know when you look at that? Is that your biggest differentiator? What's what's another one that you would say is one of your big ones that think, separates yourself from everybody in the in the competitive environment? Yeah, you know?
2: I think I think our two biggest uh, differentiators are the Joint Commission because it puts a standardization that's that's around the entire country that we're all striving for, and the investments we've been willing to make in technology. Um, you know, data is such a big determinant of how how are you doing from a quality perspective? Are you keeping people out of the hospital or are you avoiding a readmission? Mm-hmm. And that's gonna be what's really gonna bend the cost curve for our entire country is really rewarding based upon values-based purchasing, not just based upon time and materials like healthcare has always been charged for you know, in, in the past. And we've been willing to make you know tens of millions of dollars of investment in technology so that we know at every single encounter between our caregiver and a client what they should be doing, what activities of daily living, making sure that they're doing them, what medications, what medication encounters. And we are unusual that we do medical and non-medical. There's not a single software on the market that does both non-medical and medical from the same single point of sign-on. Mm-hmm. We built that, and our franchisees have have access to that because a family member might need just non-medical when they start. It's just it's it's a matter of... When, not a matter of if, sure. they're going to need medical mm-hmm. um, intervention as well, whether that's wound care or medications. Right. Um, they will need some kind of nursing care as they age in place and stay at home.
3: That's awesome. Um, one of the things that she that says is that you are in 38 states right now. Um, and I, when I hear that, I hear continuity, I hear duplication. And maybe when you, if you could, you know, think about when you first started Brightstart, you know, um, what were probably some things that immediately that you implemented in a culture where you don't have to worry about? Because I feel anybody who's starting a business, they want to get to a point where they can duplicate themselves out of the the work and just focus on the vision. You know, what were probably some things you implemented uh, quickly so the duplication and you start to see the continuity where people then have confidence in the brand itself?
2: Yeah, I think that the consumer experience is something we really tried to define well and replicate consistently. Consistently, Uh, you know that we um, are going out and meeting with a family in their living room um, before we start care every single time. That that's the franchisee or whoever's in the sales role and a registered nurse. So we're able not to just to talk about the services we can provide, but we can assess the condition of the home, the condition of the patient, and their medication. So we can make sure that quality and service are being brought together, um, making sure that our franchisees are having someone introduce the caregiver into that environment, so they know how what they're expected to do and how they're expected to do it um, at every single encounter. So I think that the the standards with which a client can expect. What they can get from Bright Star, whether you're in Michigan or California or Florida, would be very consistent um, in terms of matchmaking what does a client need and what's a caregiver bringing to, to, to meet that same. Expectation based on experience, whether it's an experience with dementia, or if a client has an interest in cooking or baking, that we're matching a caregiver that has similar interests, so they can fulfill their their whole life, not just take care of their care. So,
1: needs. so Shelley, when you talk about these things, though, where did you learn this? I mean, I know you were you're in some large organizations, CNA insurance, and, Air, and airlines, right? The you know, in two thousand one two, right? Was it? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, where did you learn? I mean, most people just don't come up with this. Most people don't aren't, aren't born. Uh, you know, in the South, and all of a sudden, have these these <laughs> systems of, of of duplication and the and, the, and these well, processes. Well, you start
2: one. I mean, so we started a company-owned location, right, in Gurney, Illinois. Wait,
1: wait, hold on. But where'd you? But where'd you learn? I mean, you still had to have this when you when you saw this opportunity to start it, right? You still, not not a normal mind visualizes this. I went out
2: out and talked to lots of nurses. What would you be looking for in an employer? What would set us apart? I went out and talked to lots of discharge planners. When you refer out cases, what are you looking for? I talked to a lot of other families that were like me. What are you looking for in a care provider? So I went and spent a lot of time talking to people about what wasn't something that could be replicated because it didn't really exist. So I listened and I documented. I listened and I documented. And it's just, I mean, a lot of it was trial and error. My heart was always there. If I had a caregiver not show up, I went out and was with a client myself until I got another caregiver there. So it was commitment and passion to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. And you continue to, I continue to iterate the systems and the processes and the bench of caregivers that I had less and less service breakdowns where it required me to fill in that Mm -hmm. gap and required it it required me to allow the business to scale in spite of myself right um and so I did it with one location and then I replicated it in Chicago and McHenry Mm -hmm. and then I became a franchisee before I ever became a franchisor and I know you know that story Gary but I invested in hotels but again
1: again, wait I want to go back still though I mean you you know normal people just don't understand they can do the things you did the way you did it. I mean, you usually start a business, you stumble a lot. And somebody only comes and says, you should duplicate that. That's a great, I mean, you, you like how you <laughs> had, I mean, you had this in your head from the very beginning with, with a very small investment, you had this in your head and the vision that you have. And then where you're at today, you, it's not like you fell into this and you're like, wow, I can't believe where I'm at. You know, this, this worked out pretty good, right? It's no, well, I expected this. Shelly expected this because she had the vision and, and the and and the and the roadmap laid out in her head. From what I know of you, yeah. and again, where does that come from? I mean, is it your education? Was it was it the chip on you sh- your shoulder you had early on that said, I'm going to show this 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 uh, you know man driven world this this uh, that, that you know what. A little, a little, 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 little—a uh, smart little girl like me could kick butt in any in, in this world. And you know, again, where did they come from? Darn it, I gotta know. I mean, I know you. you, you I don't know.
2: I mean, well, it, I kind of know, but I want you to tell the world. It seems so part of my my DNA. Um, I, no chip on my shoulder. I mean, I actually loved being a corporate employee. I mean, a lot of people want to be an entrepreneur so they can be their own boss. I kind of missed having bosses that told me how great I was and I was doing a great job. Because when you become an entrepreneur, it's a very lonely place, right? right. You don't have anybody patting you on the back and saying you're doing a great job. I pay people. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I come see you for lunch. (laughs) Um, You know, so I mean, like, you know, I mean, there isn't someone to tell you. But I don't know. It was just, you know, one client and you stumble and you tell them you're going to do the best you possibly can. and They can see your heart. And then you take a second client and another client. I, I'm I am systems oriented. I mean I have an accounting background. I enjoyed, you know, statistics and mm-hmm. those kind of things. Yeah. So being able to kinda of say that I have to document what went well and fine tune it and how do you do an invoice and things like that and I bought a lot of the you know new businesses for dummies kind of books and tried franchising for dummies I mean what's funny one of the co-authors of that is Michael Side he's become a dear friend of mine we sit on the International Franchise Association <laughs> Board of Directors and, and I'm like I read your book when I was first starting out um, and so I mean it was just you know just school, school of hard knocks So, and so when, I, when I
1: talk to kids you know about work and, and stuff like that and I you know I, I tell any kids you know get a job McDonald's Burger King, some of the best places you can learn great duplication and and how to how to grow a business, right? Whether it's your own or somebody else's, the lessons are, are are amazing. If you make half the half the money net net in a job at McDonald's as you would in employment, go get a job, go go work because you're going to learn so many lessons that you can take back to your, your, your any business you're in the future. They're invaluable. So when I, when I think about the you know CNAs of the world and the companies you're with, you know they had to have like some pretty cool systems in place and some solid solid processes that you are probably you know, managing, taught to go by and then manage, and maybe even uh, even in, you were probably in charge of, of uh, you know, make, making them better, right? Did that help at all? I'm, sh-
2: I'm sure that helped a lot. I would say some of my, you know, best job experience, though, was waiting tables, putting myself mm. through college, right? Yeah. I mean, like, just interacting with the public, and not everyone in the public is easy to deal with, and not every client and every and every employee is going to be easy to deal with. And being able to adapt, what my natural style might be hmm. to to fit what my customer needed so that my tip was larger and I could pay my college yeah. bill. Um, I think so, that was probably some of my best social skills sure. built. Mm-hmm. So you take great, you know, on-the-job experience of – Managing tens, if not hundreds, of employees and the processes they were doing, getting one employee to do the same thing that you mm-hmm. needed eight employees to do. There's duplication there, right? And and inspecting what you're expecting of them, and do some do it slightly better. And what can you take from the two that are the most productive and take it to the rest? Those were probably innate skills that I built being in the sure. being in the workforce in terms of systems and replication. So, so
1: back back to the original, you know, the, the original thing you're saying, waiting on tables. Right. Think about the EI that you developed, right? The the servant mentality, right? You serve people really well, probably getting a little better tip, right? Yep. Um, And besides that, when people go away, it's totally happy whether you get a big tip or not, right?
2: Great feeling you felt, for you, right? Great pride. Yeah, people had a great experience and said thank you. You'd feel like you made a difference for them, and now I get to do that thousands of times uh, over, mm-hmm. right? We take care of twenty thousand people every day. Aww. I mean, and that feels like such a huge honor. That's that many lives that we're touching. But just one, you know, one couple out on a date, or you know, a, a family that was together, and you gave them a great experience, mm-hmm. um, usually with a nice tip. But you gave them a great experience. They'd smile. They'd say thank you you'd feel pride in what you did. I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I see the kids today. I mean, uh, um, a lot of the the folks that I hire, their way of communicating are emojis, mm-hmm. and they <laughs> they don't have eye contact, right? And they don't have full sentences, and that's the biggest thing that I think we're having to teach mm. the young folks that we're putting into the workforce um, to work with us. As you know, we our customers internally are our franchisees, and and we need to you know be responsive with them. it isn't just enough to send an email, and. And communication can be really misinterpreted um, in email or text versus looking somebody in the eyes and being able to see immediately the impact that you had on them or that you didn't have on them. And I think that's a skill that we are – over investing in um, our workforce and our franchisees' workforce, a lot of the compassion and caring is there. Sure. A lot of the ability to communicate, um, I think, has been missing, and we're having to focus on developing. So, do, do you know,
1: do you know sorry, when you when you hire like <clears throat> you know waiters and waitresses that were waiters and waitresses? Do you know? Can you feel like a little difference in their emotional intelligence and how they want to serve better if they're good at that? Probably right. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we have we have people here in our, in our organization that, were, that are caddies or were caddies. And and gosh, you know what they learned? You know, customer service because they had to communicate, and yeah. they they're they're serving for, for a tip at the end because that's most of what they're going to make. And uh, you know, they they couldn't be you know on their phone while they're doing that job, right? They weren't doing it online. They were doing you know to serve people, yep. physically, you know, in, in front of people every day, for sure. Emotional intelligence way better for that person. Would, would you you could you could tell any uh, any young person out there waiting tables, right? You can be waiter to franchise or a world class franchisor, right? That's what we have here. <laughs> my
2: kids are going to follow that trajectory. Yeah. So they, they should. They, uh, last year we had the, our we do our conference in rotating locations, and last year it was here in Rosemont, you know, and not too far away. So my boys were able to come for the first time ever and see their mommy, you know, address the franchisees and come to the gala, and they were my first dance, <laughs> and it was very adorable. Mm. And my executive assistant got them future leader of Bright Star um, on both of their badges and their twins, and so they were fighting it out as to who was going to. <laughs> (laughs) to. be I said well let's just be clear your path before you ever get a chance to audition for that Uh, job uh, is going to be starting waiting tables to get your date money (laughs) once you get a made if they want a caddy we got
1: (laughs) caddy jobs for them too (laughs) remember
3: that um uh, to kind of elaborate again more as far as like social skills and I'm pretty sure you have a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners probably come to you and and you know um maybe from your perspective what do you feel are some social skills or some emotional intelligence transferable skills that People today that are trying to start a business that are missing, they're like, man, if you just, you know, not if you know, just shared experience from my experience, if you're able to just put this and implement this, regardless of what business you have, uh, <laughs> your business would probably be making three, four, five million more than you're doing right yeah. now.
2: I think it's a great question. I think you have to be able to inspire a work, a very diverse workforce. And. Um, and one thing that we look for in our franchisees, so we, when we bring in a prospective franchisee to see whether they want to join us and whether we want to approve them, we actually take them out to dinner the night before because I want to see how they're interacting with the wait staff. It, I know that they are going to be very nice to me and hmm. focused on me and polite to me. If they don't have eye contact and please and thank you with the server or the people taking the dishes off the table – they're not right to join my brand because the reality is the people that they're going to interact with 80% of the time are going to be caregivers, not CEOs. Um, and I want people who just feel like it, it's their responsibility to make an impact on everyone's life, not regardless of the title or what you have um, economically. And, and I, think that's, I think that's a really good lesson. It's something we look for in our franchisees, but I think that's a really great lesson um, in those that will be you know, more successful as an entrepreneur is kind of think about you know, how you are interacting with everyone. I mean, we're at you know, 3% or less unemployment. It, it is not hard to get customers. It is much harder to get and retain sure. employees. Um, and being able to inspire and being able to be the place that people want to work for and want to stay working for means you've got to be able to relate to everyone, not just people with the big corner office or, uh, you know, that, that are the customers. You have to be able to inspire those employees. And I think that's really, really important. I think that social intelligence is as important today as any iq or book intelligence mm-hmm. or practical experience that you could have
0: yeah
1: it's, it's tough in this environment environment where there's labor is a shortage right where you still have to be so concerned that you're hiring the right values right the right culture and values otherwise you're you're, you're talking short a short-term fix so right now where you have like you're saying three percent unemployment you know, less people out there, but you still have to hold to your your core values, you know, who you hire, how you hire, to make sure they are a fit. Because no matter what, it's a short-term fix unless the core values match yours, right? Correct. And, uh, yeah, you guys do a great job of that. Yeah, go ahead,
3: man. Go for okay. it. Right. Okay. Gonna... Well, um, so one of the things that – and I've started to notice with Gary um, and just some of the people that – you know, that I've noticed have connected with, you know, I consider they're humble in aspiration, gracious in success, and even resilient in failure. And I saw a lot of that even with Gary and the businesses that he's ran. And I'm um, starting to see some of the success that you've had. You know, if you look at, um, you know, Bright Star Care in 10 years, $400 million, you know, top 50 fastest growing women-led companies as far as franchisees, ranked number one franchise by Forbes. Like that's huge. You know, Entrepreneur of the Year, You know, Shelly was even on Undercover Boss on CBS. You know, you had your own, you know, 30 30 years or 30 minutes of fame, so to speak. And um, one thing that I'm starting to realize for certain people where their failure has came is I call it the law of the big head, right? You know, uh, basking in one's success too much. And a lot of people that I've noticed where they've had success and a lot of success, they get that ego into them. Well, with a lot of the success that you've had, how have you able to stay humble how have you able to stay inspired and do all of those things? Because I um, mean, I mean, anybody can have that. If they had the success that they have the law of the big head could come quickly. You know, how did you able to make sure that doesn't happen to you?
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if, um, ego is entered in, but I think as we've at various stages gotten, gotten large, I was tempted to take more time away from the business to spend time with my kids. Um, and cause I'm, as Gary knows, a, a complete workaholic. So, you know, 80, 90 hours a week is is kind of normal for me. And there were periods of time that I, you know, cut down to 30, 40 hours a week and was uh, enjoying my boys. And that hit me, I, I've had two, I'm sure there's been many small failures, but I, I, I would say culturally, um, and for me as a leader, I've had two failures that have Um, been memorable enough that I anchor back to those to try to be the best leader I possibly can be. In in 2009 when my franchisees were probably going through the hardest time um, in their businesses because the economy was coming back, more families were cutting back on hours or taking care of their loved ones on their own because people were getting laid off. Um, We had never had a better time as a franchisor because as more people were being laid off, more people were looking to buy jobs. Mm. So we were growing at an all-time high in terms of the number of franchisees joining us. So we were at an all-time high of profitability. At the same time, my franchisees on the day-to-day were the most strained. And so I sat up on the stage and gave my opening remarks at our conference in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I'll never forget. And I, when I speak, I don't love to publicly speak, but I've just through practice have gotten better at it, I could tell I didn't connect with the audience. Like, we were just completely misaligned. Um, and it hurt my heart um, because I, I feel like my, I get one chance a year to get all my franchises together, and it should be the inspiration that brings us all together to go out and do great work for the next year until we're back together. And I kind of failed in my ability to connect with them and be on message with them and, and really understand where they were at. Um, How can that happen? I mean, the year before that, I had delegated to one of my direct reports to co-lead the Franchise Advisory Council, which is um, a council where your franchisees representing different regions of the country are giving you the reality of how things are going or not going and what you need to be connected to. And so I didn't have that direct connection to the franchisees. And I, I had delegated that. And the person I had delegated, delegated it to. Great person, but wanted to not stress me as I was trying to finally take some time and be a mom. And so the things that were big issues for franchisees weren't bubbling up to me. Mm. So I didn't have a feel for what my franchisees were going for, and therefore I was off message and off emotion as much as off-message. Um, so I went to my uh, who uh, franchisee that was a co-chair, Jeff Tooze, who's a dear friend of mine. He and his wife, Susan, have bought multiple uh, Bright Star businesses and have two senior livings uh, uh, open or under construction, getting ready to open and join the IFA board of directors as well, and went to Jeff and said, I really screwed up, and I need your help. Can we bring the FAC together? I will step back in and re- uh, lead the FAC with you. Um, but I need your help addressing what the pain points are of franchisees, because I obviously am not aware. And we need to build an action plan to address each of those things, and I'll apply resources to it. Um, but what's going on here in the daily lives of our franchisees, we have to fix. And it took about a year, year and a half, and I had to kind of rebuild credibility. It's those moments where I step away, not, not because of ego and probably not because of Um, things that aren't important or feel important at the time, or my kids feel very important. Um, But a year and a half ago, as Gary knows, I stepped away from my business a bit too, to I'd gotten asked to chair our um, industry association. So I went away and kind of chaired the Franchise Association for a year. And and it was a big job. I was traveling to DC all the time. Um, And so it was probably, you know, 60 hours a week on average and so it didn't leave me much time maybe 10 hours a week to keep a little finger on the pulse of Bright Star but it wasn't like I was completely immersed in Bright Star Um, and I'd say in that one year period of time committing to my industry association I lost two to three years of momentum um, with Bright Star and I'm Rejoined in March, and so I'm just kind of six months into the into the journey of of coming back, and we've probably got a couple more years ahead of us of uh, trying to rebuild trust. And I say trust because not that I did something that wasn't of integrity, but my franchisees, many of them, said to this at the conference we just had, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we bought because of you. We bought you when we joined. Your energy, your passion, your vision. Mm. And not to make this maternal or paternal, but but they're like, we felt like an orphan who had been abandoned by the parent that was getting ready to adopt us. And we we felt this, you know, huge connection. And then you were okay just to go leave us. And that's been very hurt hard on my heart to absorb but it gives me that much more you know commitment to earn back their faith and to not leave again Um, but to be able to you know be back in there giving them what they need setting the vision bringing back my my team doing the right things on a daily basis and trying to do the right things for the franchisees so for me it hasn't been losing my way because of ego but it's been being interested in trying to do other things to make an impact, either in my kids' lives at pivotal times, or in my industry's life, but those both had, a, had an impact on what my franchisees expected. So
1: this, this, is a, this is a great point, Quentin, if you think about this, right? Yeah. Because I do see where pride wrecks good people, you know, great, great things or, or, you know, great momentum is wrecked by pride, right? And I, and I warn friends of mine that I've had, and I, and I see other people that get, gain a little success and they get prideful and it ruins them, right? I'm, I'm, I've become a lot more faithful person to myself in the last 10 years, 15 years of my life. And I, and I, I believe it's not, you know, it's from the guy above, right? But bottom line is, I think what, what Shelly, you've experienced, and I've seen this in you. Is if you believe if you believe you can do great things that you, you can spend your time doing great things for somebody else and and, and, and you know a large number of, of people or franchises franchisees outside your own franchisees you're probably going to have a hard time turning it down and I and I actually asked Shelly to be a uh, part of, of Job Creators Network. Five years ago or so, mm-hmm. because there was a lot of things going on in our federal government where they're they going to they're, they're doing some crazy things in my opinion to franchise franchises franchise systems. Um, they're trying to pass some crazy regulations that could have ruined the franchise system, and you realized what was going on. And I asked some other friends of mine in the franchise world to step up and get involved in the Job Creators Network. And you, because of our friendship and because you knew you could do some good things, did it. And there's no way you. I should even ask you to do it because you probably didn't have the time then. But then, but then, but then, when I look, and, and again, you know, Bernie Marcus and, and Job Careers Network, you know, thank, thank me for 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 you being on the team and everything else. But now I look at I look at a few years ago. If the if the International Franchise Association asked Shelly Sun to to lead it right to be the chairperson of it, how many women ever led that before before you?
2: Three women before me in 53 years.
3: Wow,
1: 53 years, and you know this is the place Ray Kroc was was the person was you know who started it. Did he start it? Did he start it no, or no? Uh,
2: Marriott family was one of the original okay. So, but he was probably
1: one, of the, yeah. first, one uh, of the first chair mm-hmm. Feel so this is a, this this amazing, amazing prestige. Forget about prestige. It's it's what you can do for the world of franchises by being there. That's something that gave you a, a, and
2: franchising created so much of yeah. my success. <clears throat> I wanted to be able to magnify that exactly. if I could put all of that energy and passion into my association. And I, and
1: I guarantee you did, right? But it, but in, in in hindsight, you know you know hurt you and your own business in, in a way right um, but again you're, you're the person that has a hard time turning down something if you know you can help the masses right even in hurting yourself so
3: and so, more importantly
2: hurting my franchisees yeah, exactly. right? so
3: i, I oh, yeah. so i guess the, the better question this is actually pretty good so when is a better time for you to make sure you focus on just what you need to focus on and then take the step back in order to go ahead and create that big impact because Mm -hmm. for a lot of people everybody wants to when is when is the timing right and I guess that's a difficult say the timing is never right but when are the things that the educated risk is better for you to go ahead and create a major impact than just like you know let me focus on what I need to focus on Mm -hmm. because that's really what I need to focus on like when is that timing right
2: I haven't mastered that, (laughs) so if you find out in one of your next interviews, please send it to me and let let me know. I mean, I I think, you know, it's about having the right team in place to have the same skill sets that you have when you're going to exit. And and I think for me, as I had really great, smart, passionate people that could step in and do the – and handle the workload – but might probably couldn't replicate the heart, and the, and I think one skill set that I have is as Gary knows. I mean, I'm I, I'm a hugger, and if, if I let people down, I, I'm I will cry because I really want to do the best by the world mm-hmm. and and by my franchisees and my friends and everything. And I'm I'm pretty hard on myself when I feel like I'm not doing that. But I I think one thing that I have especially being a franchisor, is I'm not always going to be able to say yes, right? I'm going to mm-hmm. get asked a lot of things where I'm not going to be able to say yes. It's not going to be what's right for the brand. It's not going to be what's right for the consumer. It's not going to be right, what's right for other franchisees. But saying no quickly is very important as a franchisor and explaining why. And so what I think I found in stepping away is I have an amazingly an amazingly talented Um, C-suite. But what they had with me when I was in is the things that required a no all came to me before. And I would be the heavy to say no, Mm -hmm. but I could say it with enough passion and credibility with my franchisees that they would accept a no. When I stepped away and I had an executive team that are very smart and have good EQ, but most of them are conflict avoidant a lot of the things that required a no just didn't get a response, or they got a maybe. And a fast no is much better than a maybe any day of the week. And so things that festered, and I said this to Gary, I mean, I'm coming back and playing whack-a-mole, it feels like every single day. Um, I'm, I'm Hopefully, the number of times per day is getting less than it was six months ago. But, you know, for all the things that there was a question asked and not a firm no or an answer a franchisee might not want to hear that's been the case almost for you know two years and so now i'm having to come back in and now what would have been an easy fast no people are irritated because now they've made assumptions that it was a yes because they never got a no, um and so i think that i think that leaders can prepare themselves to take a a step away, or go run for political office and serve the country, or serve their community, or serve their church in, in ways. But I think it's really important to not un, to not undersell what you bring to the organization as an executive, and it's not just hours in a day. I would argue some of my executives are as passionate about what we do and the mission we have, and live our core values similarly. But if but if I looked across my entire, you know, C-suite of you know seven people that direct report to me, me and one other will have will engage in healthy conflict, and the rest would avoid it if they could. Mm-hmm. And that means you were left without a preponderance of those that were getting asked many things on a daily basis without someone to bubble it up to, right. and not really wanting to say no directly. Do you think
3: people are just extremely nervous and scared of conflict? Um, I mean, I think that's like a What's the word i'm looking for like there's just an internal thing like you know most people i've heard always clock you know uh, if you're if i'm conflicting it's because i care you know like me and Gar- uh, me and gary where gary would ask me questions all the time and i know it's because he cares to figure out exactly what am i thinking um and you can look at it as conflict because it's not a green, right? Uh, do you feel that that's probably an issue that most people are having when it comes to success I as think, a whole?
2: Yeah, I think it's two things. I think it's one, that they don't want to let people down or perceive that they're letting people down. So I think that probably gets to, mm-hmm. to what you're alluding to. I think the other is it's much easier, I think, for Gary and I to say no because a buck stops with us. A, de- a decision that might be the right decision might actually cost us money. But that's a lot easier for us to make when we're the sole shareholders right of our business versus if i'm if i'm asking one of my employees to make that decision and it's going to harm the business value of my business am i going to side with them once i hear about the decision so i think there's a lot of hesitation to say no and is that going to bubble up to shelly or did i cut off you know several million dollars of value by not allowing that side deal to go through. But franchising is all about consistency. And there are many times during the year where I get an opportunity to have a side deal to make more money. But if I wouldn't give that side deal to every franchisee, it's not right for me to do Hmm. because it's not consistent across everyone. And that's when you lose the the core value of integrity because you're not treating everyone similarly. And I think that's really critical in franchising. Even though they might not like the answer, what they do know and I try to say to them is at least you know there's no one else who's gotten a better deal from you. Because mm-hmm. I'm gonna consistently say no because the way I look at every question I get asked is it's not whether I'm willing to do it for you, is I'm am I willing to do it for the other three hundred and thirty four of you. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I'm not, then the decision isn't right for me to do it for you.
3: You do it for one, do it for all. Correct. Yeah.
1: What what are your what are your core values of Bright Star today? You have five, is it?
2: Five. Um, <laughs> you know, serve with passion, uh, make it great. Uh, do what you say. Um, I think a lot of um, open, um, open and honest, um, some, you know, the, the mission card says open and positive. I think it gets con- misconstrued internally where everybody has to be um, always upbeat. Um, versus healthy conflict, uh, so we've changed it in our executive mm-hmm. team meetings. That it's open and honest, yeah. not open and positive, because oh, yeah. um, it really was kind of a misconstrued. No, no I don't want to go change all of the brand things that are <laughs> in all the 335 <laughs> locations. It probably works there, but I think in terms of how we explain it, I think it's um, it's about trying to get to a positive outcome. Right, um, but that means you have to be honest, be willing to engage in some conflict. Do you, you, use,
1: do you use your core values for hiring, for firing, for holding accountable, all these things? We and- do.
2: Do we do it in every single case? Um, I, I'd love to say yes, Gary. I don't think that's—I don't think that's probably realistic. You probably have um, in the make it great. It's you know kind of playing to win. I'd say you have some that might be better at that, and the serve with passion that would have within it um, being humble yet confident. Mm-hmm. Um, that one might be. Um, A little tougher uh, because some of those back to our earlier question might go against each other the ones who really can make it great and play to win and always hit their numbers might feel um, so confident about themselves that it's harder for them to be humble Um, but vice versa some of those that are really humble sometimes or frequently are missing their number. And so um, our rule of thumb is how we look at, we follow the entrepreneurial operating system. I think you're following that now as well, right, Gary? Um, so the book Traction, and I've been a big believer of that. We've had it in place for five years. Um, Gina Wickman has become a dear friend and was the author of um, is the author of that. Um, and so the rule of thumb there is we have five core values. We want every person within the organization, if we rated it a plus that they usually exhibit the core value, a plus minus, sometimes they exhibit the core value, and a minus, they rarely exhibit the core value. We won't accept a minus in any of the five, um, but we will accept two plus minuses with a coaching plan. Um, and so I, I think you'll have some people that will miss on the core values occasionally, but they'll be really great on others hmm. um, is how we kind of look at that.
1: What would you say your most challenging core value is to to hold people accountable to
2: I think serving with passion is the hardest one internally because the ones who aren't hitting their numbers sometimes are rubbed the wrong way by the one who really is always hitting their numbers. And they perceive that they're being let off the hook with being allowed to be um, a little bit more bull in in the china shop um, and pushing the edge a little bit. Um, But not so much that it's – they always do. That's not a minus. Mm -hmm. There's probably a plus minus there. But at the same time, they're always a plus in delivering, right? And so um, for me, I'd take a plus in the always deliver because that's what's good for my franchisees, and a plus minus in I might need to occasionally tell you how you sound or what body language you're giving off, and I'll do that privately, praise very publicly coach very privately Mm -hmm. Um, and those are those are um, things that have served me very well and developing talent that might not always live by every single core value is I won't live by every single core value every single day there's some Mm -hmm. days that I'm not able to come and give it my very best where I make everything great I make I might be a day where I make it good uh, you know, I'm a single mom, um, running a business and serving my industry still somewhat. I'm on my past chair year, so I've got uh, a few months left still and some responsibilities there. Um, I, you know, on, on any given day, I m- might be a great mom or a great entrepreneur. It's rare that I'm going to be able to be great at both of those things in the same sure. day.
1: I mean, and and we look, I think we look the same way. <clears throat> Our core values are based on, on aspiring aspiring, right, to live by these core values. Yeah. None of us are perfect. We're not always going we're not always going to hit on all cylinders, right? But if if you're aspiring to and and we can talk to you about it and anybody can talk to any of us including myself about it when we're not that's all exactly. good. We're moving in the right direction, right? When you think about uh, you know, your your uh, road has been a your, your road to success is not that long of a road when you think about Fifteen years ago, basically, right? And you got this. I know. Sensors. I was like in my teens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Were are even in your teens. I don't know. She's thirteen. She's thirteen. So think about that, right? I mean, you, you've you've gone a, you've come a long, long way, and, and the, the, the amazing thing is you visualized all this stuff. And uh, you know, most people, even myself, you know, I visualized you know success and, and growing and all that kind of stuff. But um, I I can't say I was as clear in my vision as to where I am today as you are, right? Um, and, I, and I'm not sure I'm as clear in the next 10 years as, I, as I'd like to be. I'm pretty clear, but, you know, it's a little foggy still. But I know if you're thinking, you know, thinking about the way you're thinking your 10 your next 10 years, you're not foggy. you you got it dialed in. You know where you're going. You know you've had some, some lessons along the way, including a you know, year ago, a year and a half ago, these things, right? Where do you see 10 years from now, Shelly Sun and Bright Star? What, you know, what, what do you, what's that clear vision show?
2: Yeah. I think it's, you know, being able to serve more communities and so you, you know, we're serving 335. I think, you know, if we're 10 years down the road, we should be in all the communities that need to be serviced. Um, you know, so we're probably in 600 locations, maybe not in the, in the areas of the country where there's more cows and people. Um, <laughs> but for the, for the areas that are, that are more densely populated, I think we'll be everywhere. Um, we serve 20,000 families a day now. That should be a hundred thousand.
3: That is amazing.
2: Um, I'd like to see us be part of the healthcare solution, Right. So Mm -hmm. while a lot of our business is private pay, and that's just how our country is structured, and um, I think that we'll still be a predominance of private pay, but as we do take commercial pay, we'd like to see an ability to be a part of that solution with, you know, end-to-end coordination of care and keeping people out of hospitals and more care, being able to be given in the home versus um, in a hospital or skilled nursing facility, because it's, it's where people want to be, it's less ch- chance of infection, it's the lowest cost setting. Um, I think it's good for our country, it's good for the Medicare system that's, you know, n- not fully funded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think those things we'd like to be a part of even at a social level, um, in, in addition to the kind of a business expansion, we're starting to look at um, being able to um, integrate, um, you know, kind of Kind of downstream and upstream. We started building senior living communities um, in 2014. Cause we started finding a lot of our families might need to move out of home mm-hmm. to an assisted living community cause their home just wasn't set up to be as safe as they might like it. Or it was a husband and wife and one had severe dementia and they needed one spouse needed to be in a part of our senior living community that was dementia, um, focused and one needed to be in an assisted living part of the community. And, um, how, mean,
1: how many of those do you have now? Um,
2: we have, uh, two that are, that are open and two more are under construction. So we'll have four. Um, by the end of 2019 open. Our hope is to to continue opening three to five of those per year over the next year or two. Um, And then, God willing, um, you know, right now that the real estate prices with, you know, the economy being doing so well, and that's a great thing, but it means that land prices have gone up, construction Mm -hmm. is at an all-time high. And so what was a viable business model two years ago, just the cost of construction, because we build from we build from scratch, um, and buying land has made that not as um, as attractive sure. as it will probably be three to five years from now. But we don't know what that timing will look like. But we believe that you know, in um, in many communities across the country, if we had 600 Bright Star Cares um, in 10 years, that's 60 to 100. Bright Star Senior Living or Memory Cares would be the right number. Um, so it's not for every community, but um, be, but having a certain number of them be an access point will be important. And then what are other areas that we own the trademarks for that we could envision being a part of the family solution? At the end of the day, yes, we're in the healthcare business, but I'd say take that even one step further. We're really in the trust business, and what are services that you hesitate engaging in? Um, because of a trust decision. And so if you see Bright Star as the brand that you trust, what are the other things you hesitate bringing into the home? Handyman services, maid services, hospice services. Sure. What are the other verticals that we should be in to be truly one-stop shopping for our families to make their lives easier? Um, and I've owned all of those brands, um, all of those trademarks, most of them um, just domestically. Do you got, do you got driveways yet? <laughs> I don't, <laughs> right. but some of them worldwide. <laughs> Neat. Need-
3: well, no, it's, it's good it's good to hear that because, um you know, they all, I've heard this before. I put, think it's in Napoleon's Think and Grow Rich. You know, anything the mind believes it can conceive, it will achieve. So uh, it's good to hear you, you know, think the way you think for sure. Um, if you could, talk about your book a little bit, you know, Grow Smart, Risk Less. Why did you create it? You know, what made you be inspired to just, you know, I think this needs to be out there. I, I feel your situ- your reasoning might be different than others. I think some people just... Create a book just because they want a book to be created, but I feel like you have a reason behind yours. Um, so,
2: I, um, and there was, and it kind of gets into several of the things that we've talked about. A, I don't know how to say no if I see an opportunity to make an impact for others. And I wrote the book after I had um, um, done all the filming for Undercover Boss, so I knew under <laughs> I knew Undercover Boss. So I filmed in February of. Uh, 12. It it released, I think, October of 12 or something like that. Um, And during that same period of time, I, I, I wrote the book. Because I figured what would happen is I would probably have hundreds, if not thousands of people contacting me saying... You've grown your business so huge through franchising. Can you teach me how you did it? And it'd be so hard for me to say no, but I was already trying to put energy into my kids, growing a business. There was only so many hours in the day. So I put $100,000 of on my own money to self-publish. Um, I mean, Amazon carries it and, you know, and Barnes & Noble carried it and you know, things like that. But I put $100,000 of on my own money just so that I didn't have to say no to people. And I could say, I'm willing to give you 15 to 30 minutes, but read the book first, So the premise of the book was if you already had a successful business and you wanted to consider whether your business was right to franchise, it would help you answer those questions. And then if your business was right to franchise, what are the few... fundamentals that you needed to have in place before your business would be ready to franchise and so that was a lot of the kind of learnings from the very beginning of franchising i hope to give to other entrepreneurs that were either early stage franchisors or hadn't thought about franchising as a way to expand but could how about, how about
1: also awesome. the same rules that you use there though shelly in my opinion are, are the rules you use in scaling business franchising or not right i mean the same the same systems you have to build right i mean you don't have to be as compliant and you don't have all the regulations if you don't franchise but so many of those things apply would yeah you, probably, say, si- probably 60, 60 to 70
2: 60 to 70 percent of the of the chapters in the book around kind of building a team and core values and the metrics mm-hmm. to to assess a business and grow a business and strategic planning for a business i think those are all applicable whether you've decided to f- franchise or not um you know there's certain chapters that are about you know evaluating whether you should franchise and about putting a franchise sales program in place that are franchise specific but Mm -hmm. um, i think you know at least half of the book is probably applicable even though it was meant with a franchising focus um 50 of it's probably applicable regardless if someone chooses not to franchise man you
1: I'm, need this for true mentors too. Yeah, who you, you telling? Yeah. Huh? You know, <laughs> I'm
3: writing some of that stuff down right now. I'm excited. <laughs> good deal. This is awesome. This is really good.
1: Okay, when when you look at uh, you know, 10 years out. I mean, you know, I'm guessing you're you're going to you're, you're you know, this business drives your energy every day and all that. You're looking at participating like you do today in this business for 10 years? And in, and if so, that's great. What you know, when is there a time where you're going to say, "Okay, this business is going to be handed over to somebody that can that can be the Shelly son in the future, um, and then you're gonna you're gonna do some other things. And so a few questions, I guess. When? How long are you gonna you gonna apply all your energy to this business and this the growth of this great great industry and this great business? And then when do you say, well, now I think it's time to.
2: You know, I don't, I don't see a time that I don't want to be at the helm and still putting my energy into the business. So it's not any shorter than five to six years because my boys are 13. So it wouldn't be until after they've gone off to, to college that I would even consider cutting back from where I am now. I think they should have a parent that has a work ethic that they can see that, Things don't come easy in life, and you have to work hard for them, mm-hmm. and have to continue to work hard for them. Um, so I, I, I want them to to see that that role modeling. I think that's really important to me. Um, so I, I would continue still doing Bright Star while you know um, while they are kind of on their youth journey. Um, but I love it. And as long as I continue to love it and, and I have a good relationship with my franchisees and I feel like I, may, I can make an impact, um, why do anything else? Yeah, I, I'm, you know, probably have become a true entrepreneur like you, Gary. I mean, it's like, you know, where you've expanded into other areas of, you know, different verticals of the business. Will, if today, if 80% of my energy is in Bright Star Care, right will i continue building up a team where i'm still at the holding company giving energy into all of my brands and might it be that 10 years from now 20% of my time is in sure. bright star care and 80% is getting the handyman going and getting the hospice going and getting the the senior living you know maximized that might flip but my sure. desire to st- still be in it to ultimately fulfill our mission to bring Trusted services to more families and be a part of the healthcare solution that our country needs, and eventually, potentially, be a part of the solution the world needs um, as more people are getting older and they deserve great care at home uh, and to live their lives at home. And so, I hope on a bigger platform to be a part of that, certainly domestically, but potentially internationally.
1: Tell tell everybody like you know what you like to do outside the you know business. I mean, business drives you. Your family drives you. But you have, you have some fun things that you you know you're about besides. Tell us. Well,
2: besides you know trying to beat you at ping pong before we came in <laughs> on, in here. Um, <laughs> I in, know, I enjoy I cooking. Was, it was easy on you. Just <laughs> <the> high heels. <laughs> I'm huh? in five inch heels, but I still held my own. Um, I love cooking. I love cooking. I love wine. I love travel. Um, I love to entertain. I just I love sharing moments with good friends. I've cooked lunch for you at my house. Oh. Uh, I have many of our YPO friends over for meals at my home. I, I love sharing those moments with other people. Um, cooking is a is a way that I um, release. I, I have very uh, few creative talents. I could draw a stick figure. <laughs> but, but 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 cooking seems to be my creative outlet, um, and it brings groups of people together over an enjoyable moment. Um, it'd be one of the things I enjoy the most um, outside of work. And I work out six days a week, a week religiously. It's how I release stress so that I'm my best self during the other hours of the day for my kids and for the people that I work with.
3: Well, anytime you you need a taste tester, um, you know I'm more than <laughs> willing to come over and you know just hey yeah that was pretty good.
1: So you know, your life is really a life based on, on service, serving serving others. I mean, you, you personally you love doing it, right? Um, professionally you love doing it. It's a, and and if you think of so many great models and business, right? What do they do? I mean, they just serve. Serve people. People better than maybe the competition. World class businesses serve better than anybody else, right? I mean, that's what they do. So it's it's uh, you're, you're another example of that, right? People I know that are they're they're extreme entrepreneurs, they're the best of the best, love serving other people, right? So I believe it's a, gift. it's a gift, right, that you have, <clears throat> that everybody doesn't have. I mean, there's, there's people that like to make money, plenty of those, right? We know, a lot of them, they love to make money, they're smart, and they do a pretty good job making money. But, but those that, that love to serve first, forget about the money, somehow end up being more successful even than those it's, just want it's to make money. It's a gift
2: and sometimes a curse, and I say this from, from that standpoint of, I have a mm-hmm. girlfriend of mine that says, you'll walk into a room of 100 people. And ninety-eight people, you've impacted their lives, and they can't wait to share with you how you've positively yeah. impacted uh, their lives. And two people will be a critic, and you will remember the two uh, yeah, that yeah. were critical. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe that's what propels me to continue to be better. Is you know, I I want to make an impact for everyone. I don't want anyone disappointed. I want everyone thriving. I want sure. all of my franchisees successful. Um, but there's some aspect of being of service oriented that I. It truly like hurts my heart when I feel like I haven't delivered for every franchisee in the audience, even if I, f- I delivered for ninety to ninety five percent.
1: You need to lose that girl because <laughs> I, I know you're at ninety eight percent or more, and you do just, <laughs> just 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 uh, have so much gratitude that you're able to do that for people because not many people can. I mean, I, I twenty thousand a day, I, Jesus. I was I was fortunate enough to be at, at you know when they passed the gavel to you uh, in Vegas a couple of years ago. You invited a few friends, and yeah. I came with a few other friends. We had a, we had a great time. And uh, really, it was such a, such uh, fun to watch, you know, Shelley become the leader of this great organization. But better than that, I didn't tell you about this. But I play blackjack a little bit, right? And and so I I played. I was just jumping from table to table, and everybody there w- was with the franchise associate. Was it Mandalay Bay? was that or something. Yeah, like? I think so. Mandalay Bay. Everybody there was from the franchise associate. So I, I'm sitting at a table. You know, you, you know, play for more than ten minutes. I know everybody at the table. And we talk about what we do. And that, all that sounds kind like of stuff. Gary. And, and but but within within like. Five minutes, I'm saying, I'm here for my friend, Shelly. You know, Shelly, who, Shelly? Wait, wait, the Shelly? And and I'll say, yeah, Shelly's son. Shelly's son. You know Shelly's son? (laughs) And I go, yeah, she's my buddy. Are you kidding me? She's, I'm here for her. I, you know, came with a few friends to, to, to be here with her. And, uh. And they're like oh my gosh she's amazing she's amazing what do you know about her I said well, I just I, she's my friend I, I I'm just I, I love the franchise world but I and and but but I'm learning more as I'm here and then they start talking about you know what you've given to the franchise world and from people from all all different aspects of franchising right um, actually I got to be friends with a guy uh, that uh, Tom Wells you know Tom Wells. Tom Wells a franchise consultant that he came he's been here a few times he's he, w- he wants to uh, help us in, in some of our expansion actually and and I sat next to him and a few other consultants they all knew Shelly really well and and uh, again just raved about her so it, was so it was so fun going table to table just talking about <laughs> my, my buddy Shelly and, and and seeing everybody's eyes light up you know you can tell when people are sincere or not and i didn't see any i I there wasn't there wasn't two percent that I saw <laughs> whose eyes didn't light up. Right. So it was really fun. And uh, it just goes to show you what you're doing. So don't let you know the two percent or less, in my opinion, you know, affect the 98 percent that you're delivering and inspiring. Right. It's yeah. Really, it's really cool.
3: And to add on to that, Shelly, I mean, just me being here with you and knowing Gary, you know, the one thing I see that Gary always has is <clears throat> and I speak on it all the time is conviction Enthusiasm and confidence, and you have all three. And uh, I feel that those are traits that, if anybody wants to succeed in anything that they want to do, that they must have those. And it's, it's 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 a telling tale to see why you know not only birds of a feather flock together, right? But to see why you do succeed as well as you do is because you have those three in the field that you in it because it started with you know your your, your family member, you know. So because uh, that's really where the heart is, and yeah. I, and I can see that's yeah. the reason why you go. So twenty thousand people a day. You know, if you, if, I want, I want you all on on this podcast to multiply that by three hundred and sixty five, and that's one year, and you're and you're talking about I'm not done, you know, you so are a true be, world a begin- changer. Or just, the getting, beginning. Started. And just, you're getting, just getting started. You just started, you know. So, so I got some true takeaways, man. This is amazing. So
1: when you when you think about, you know, when you think about your rise, and and you know, we we have friends that have come from all over the world, different 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 parts of the world, and come here with with just bold ideas and 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 like you know, just uh, excited as can be to to, to Enter an entrepreneurial journey here that they couldn't somewhere else. You know, if you think about your your journey, if and you weren't blessed to be born in America, what would it look like if you weren't born here? Do you think it would have been this easy? I mean, not that it's easy, right? But do you think it would have been attainable?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, I've absolutely not. But I mean, I think the the beauty of of America, and hopefully we never lose it, is the American dream. I mean, that's why I've been so passionate about serving my association, is franchising is a true vehicle to help more people mm-hmm. be able to follow a kind of proven business model so that more people can become entrepreneurs and, and live that live that life, right? And and take that chance and create jobs and serve customers. Um, and only in this country, you know, Israel and um, is a great, you know, startup nation, great book, we were sharing yeah. that earlier. Um, but, you know, other than, you know, you know, the United States and Israel, I mean, you don't see countries that are built on capitalism and where hard work can determine where you can go. You're not preordained to a certain class, and that's the only place that you can go. hard work and resilience and, and looking for opportunities to serve and fulfill a, a need, anyone really can fulfill their destiny here Absolutely. and only here.
1: We are, we are blessed for sure we are blessed. to be here. So uh, any, any more questions for my, my friend Shelly? No,
3: no, man. I just got these takeaways that I just... What do you got for takeaways? Oh, man. So huh? first, you know, uh, to be honest with you, do the right thing for the people and the profit will come when you first started with that that's i mean that's pretty huge and i think a lot of people forget that you know um must have commitment and passion to do the right thing i think we're getting all the rights with shelly because everything that shelly does is right you know um but one of the things that you said and and i encourage everybody to think remember uh, you would you say it as a quote, like we bought because of you. You know, people buy because mm-hmm. of you sure. as a as a business owner. They don't necessarily buy the product. The product has to be quality, but they they have, you know, they buy because of you. Um a fa- you know, a fast no is better than a maybe any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good <laughs> mic drop, right? Um but praise publicly and coach privately, and I think that's huge because a lot of people try to actually coach publicly. And 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 praise privately, and it's the opposite. Uh, but the most important, which I thought that was really impactful, and I think anybody can use for their business. But as you said, like yes, we're in the healthcare business, but we're more importantly in the trust business, um, and that's huge. No wonder why you know you got twenty thousand people a day trusting you. So Thank kudos you. to you, Shelly. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So so thanks for being here, Shelly. We uh, my honor. We really appreciate it. Thank it's, you. Been, it's been awesome.
3: And again, anytime you need me for the, for the soup, for the food, I'm all willing to come. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate to, I'm I'm so excited to know you and, and looking forward to building more rapport with you, Shelly. Thank, thank you for coming. Thank you. See you all again on Ditch Diggers CEO. See ya.
1: If you enjoy this show, please share with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, DitchDiggerCEO.com for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at Ditch Digger CEO and at Gary Rabine. If you listen to our show and want to become more successful, you will become more successful. Thanks for listening, and we'll see
0: you next week. Lord, I was Man, for living and doing the best I can. Discovered entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man, we're blessed to build a business in America, where soldiers fight for our freedom every day. Dad's work ethic was taught from the seat of a gravel truck, rolling down high. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans Then I became the CEO man